How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to this episode of the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman, and uh, today's episode is a bit different than some of the other broadcasts I've done. It's going to be on distance learning. Is this the new normal? And uh, we're going to have three special guests with us that I'll introduce in just a few minutes, three college students that are experiencing this new normal right now, and we're going to get their opinions on this. But as most of you know, uh, if you're listening to this broadcast, we're in the May 2020 timeframe. And uh, to suggest that there's a bit of chaos out there is an understatement. And a lot of the things that are going on are affecting the people that we're going to be speaking with on this broadcast and, of course, others. And that's the students that are in the middle of, of their classroom environment. And I purposely picked some college students that I believe are being affected more than anyone else. Uh, they're in the middle of a degree program. Uh, there's internships involved. There's learning that's involved, uh, testing, uh, all sorts of things that are going on. As people get closer to graduating, of course, the next thing happening in, in most people is some kind of an employment. And this whole thing has just been uh, sort of like uh, uh, thrown up, up up in the air here as this goes on. And these school, these school closures have really led these educational institutes to scramble to move instruction to an online format. And this is really unfortunate uh, that once again, proper planning seems to have given way to crisis management and implementation. Crises management, once again. And it's amazing to me that the leadership of the universities, same thing we're seeing unfortunately in Washington, state government, federal government, and corporations, are in this crises management mode. And we're going to get some real insights from real students on what they see and feel about this new reality. We're going to be talking about educational topics, food, housing, money, learning access, feedback, social interactions, whatever that means right now. And of course, the new academic life, uh, if you want to call it that. And as I was preparing for this episode, I started getting some very startling information uh, on, on what is going on. And it, it seems like there's most of the universities were totally unprepared for this. And they're almost like in a triage mode right now. And administrators are spending millions of dollars to shore up remote learning infrastructure in preparation for all of this stuff. And yet every once in a while, you see a university that is all prepared for this. And the one I want to mention, just doing my literature search, is a relatively small university in northern uh, Michigan called Northern Michigan University. And the president out there said, hey, we've had this in place for 10 years. 10 years. They didn't activate it. They were doing distance type of learning all over the place in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And as the president said, it cost me $35,000 to essentially get the thing activated for this larger body of students that are there. So what are some of the positive things that are out there? And so to give us some insight, 
Uh, I want to introduce you to our three guests today, and I really thank them for taking time out of their schedule uh, to do this. And I'm going to uh, uh, go around one by one and uh, have them introduce themselves uh, and tell them a little bit about you before we get into the questioning. So I want to start with uh, uh, Jennifer Gutman. Jenny, hello. Hi, Sam. Thank you. Um, I, a little bit about me. I am currently a master's student at Cornell University getting my degree in industrial and labor relations. I did my undergrad at Michigan State University um, and got a dual degree in human resources in Spanish. And in the middle of that, I worked at Deloitte for about a year just doing mobility compensation and a little bit of B&I consulting and digital transformation work. Very good. Thank you. So you're in your graduate program, and, and how far away sort of are you from completing it? Yeah, so I'm in a two-year program, so I'm currently in the first year. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Ethan Shimonis. Ethan, hello. Welcome. Hi, Jim. Thank you very much for having me on the show today. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to a school on the west side of Michigan called Grand Valley State University. Um, I just finished my second year. I'm currently studying supply chain management and information systems, along with um, I'm a part of the leadership for a few different student organizations on campus, uh, and two of them being Jewish student uh, organizations, and I'm very happy to be doing that and excited to see what the future has to come for us and how that's going to work out. Terrific, terrific. Uh, we, need, we need a few leaders uh, right now, as I mentioned. <laughs> we seem to be sorely uh, missing that particular skill in, uh, in, in the world out there today, which is really, really sad, uh, you know, that's out there. So uh, uh, thank you for that. Great introduction. And uh, before, once again, we get started in the questioning, I want to introduce our third participant, um, and if the last names sound familiar, uh, Zoe Shimonis, uh, no, they're not married, but they are brother and sister. <laughs> so for those of you that were wondering about that, uh, Zoe, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah. Hi, Sam. Uh, thanks again uh, for having us on the show. Um, my name is Zoe. I am currently a freshman at Michigan State University. I am a psychology major with a minor in leadership and organization. Really about it. I haven't been able to do much up at school since everything has kind of over. And yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, thank you for that. And, and the reason I'm chuckling is one of my first questions. Uh, uh, Zoe, thank you for that. I want to just start with Jennifer, uh, Jenny, to, to start off the questioning. Is can you give us a little bit of background of of what happened? In other words, obviously depending on who you look at, this disaster that we're under, uh, this coronavirus situation started around the December timeframe. Uh, Jenny, can you sort of give us a, a little bit of history of how you were notified, uh, where, what was happening in, in your curriculum area and what was going on, and, and how the university and you uh, reacted to this? In other words, what did the university tell you? And, and uh, how did you get prepared for this and, and uh, uh, as this thing was evolving? Can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, of course. So um, this was a bit of a bumpy ride. It started, there wasn't any talks about it when we went 
um, over winter break, over December, January. We came back late January, and classes were starting to talk about it, but nothing really concrete. Uh, come end of February is when I want to say Columbia and Harvard started to take action. And so Cornell being part of that Ivy group kind of felt the need to follow suit, but weren't really communicating with us at all. I actually am a teaching assistant for um, through my program. And so I found out information before a lot of my colleagues due to the fact that I was asked sitting on a faculty meeting because my professor is a little bit older and was just trying to cope. So I sat in for him and got a lot of information. And this was about the beginning of uh, middle of March. And so I sat in this meeting and they were planning for us. They said, okay, in two weeks, they sent out a full email to all the students and staff saying, in two weeks, we're going to plan to go virtual. Take your time getting out of Ithaca. Um, everything's going to be okay. We're going to start prepping faculty. They were holding virtual sessions. And then the next day or later that day after the faculty meeting where the dean then planned out kind of just succession planning, we got an email. This was Friday, March, I want to say 13th. We got an email saying classes are suspended for three weeks, which includes one week spring break. You need to get out of Ithaca. Now we're going virtual. And so, basically, we were told to pack up our bags. I This is on Friday. I left Sunday and drove across the state to Michigan, where I luckily stayed with my parents. And then we had nothing to do for three straight weeks while teachers were trying to plan. And now we are virtual. So, so. the... Pre-planning was a little shaky, as he said. It was a, a pumpy. Uh, are things <laughs> sort of smooth now? I don't know what the word sort of or phrase would mean. Uh, you know, what, what, how do you feel about the educational environment now uh, since, you know, it seemed to start off a little shaky? <laughs> yeah, I think we definitely needed those three weeks at first. It was a little bit frustrating, but now everything is the teachers seem to be using Zoom in a great way that's very interactive. Um, the president is doing a great job communicating and has been ever since kind of we were told to get out. Then they started to understand and give us more information almost daily at a point where what we should do, how Cornell can help us. And now everything's going through. It's a little bit hard to stay motivated. Because we, they change the grading if we want to, to be satisfactory, unsatisfactory. So, but other than that, things are super smooth, which I'm very thankful for. Um, did you give, did they give you any insight into, I don't know if you're, you were taking summer classes or fall, uh, any insight as to what would be going on during those time frames? Um, we don't have summer classes in our master's program. We're supposed to do an internship in Dad, which I can talk about, I'm sure you'll ask about. Um, with, yes, fall, <laughs> <laughs> um, with fall, we are currently set to go back, but I know that undergraduate students are still in question just because the graduate students have a lower number. So as of right now, we um, already registered for classes. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Ethan, uh, the same question. Can you sort of give us a background as to uh, 
what went on in, in your world uh, as, as you heard uh, Jenny speak, uh, sort of bring us up to date at what happened you know, prior to this and what you're seeing now? Yeah, so similar to Jenny and how she didn't really, there wasn't a lot of talk about COVID-19 um, before and like during December and January and February. Um, the first week of March was Grand Valley along with Michigan State spring break and a lot of people were traveling. Um, three days later, March 11th was when I think Michigan State um, w- went virtual along with Grand Valley at the end of the day. And during the day uh, of the 11th, it was very uh, hectic around campus just because people knew all these other universities were going virtual and closing. Um, and thankfully, though, Grand Valley kind of we use a, a system called Blackboard. Um, a lot of my classes have integrated online anyway. Um, it just ended up moving to where they would have either pre-recorded lectures online, which are way more painful to watch than just actually being in class, which is unfortunate. Um, it's, you kind of lose a lot of motivation when you don't have to go to class. And it's just a one-click, you know, on your on your computer screen. You have to sit in your office desk for an hour watching the professor without asking any questions, stuff like that. So uh, other than that, I, I think the Blackboard thing has worked out pretty well uh, for the end of the semester. I really just lost a lot of motivation um, seeing how it's all online. I really don't find it too much of really, uh, as I'm really learning anything, a lot of the answers to homework and even exams can be found online. So why am I spending all this money on education when I can just Google search the answers? So um very, very eager, and I hope, you know, undergrad can go back in the fall and hope everything works out well. But if it doesn't, what can I do? <laughs> That's a great attitude. Yeah, what what can you do? And just curious, uh, have you been told anything about what possible, what's the probability of returning to campus in the fall? Or uh, Yeah, is, so at, as one of the ahead, you know, like student leaders for some of the org- for a couple organizations on campus, uh, some of the larger organizations, and some of faculty and staff have been working for possible scenarios that what the fall could look like. Um, one of them being the worst case scenario is just totally virtual. Um, and if, if something like that's happening, uh, I guess I have to qu- ask the question to myself: Is it is it worth getting my education online? Because I mean, why? take online classes through Grand Valley when I can take cheaper online classes through Phoenix or Schoolcraft. Like at that point, it's basically the same content. Um, so that's scenario one, it's obviously the worst case scenario. Scenario two is there are classes limiting class size, obviously like still social distancing um, rules and regulations. Um, and then there was another, other scenarios are just like mild versions of um, social distancing. Um, but I think those are really the only those are the possible options uh, the for the future uh, holds. Um, we've got a break coming up in just a few minutes, and uh, Zoe will get to you after the uh, the break. I promise. Uh, this is this is very <laughs> very interesting to me. And and uh, 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 Ethan, I want to ask one more question. As somebody that uh, is in a leadership role in a number of different. Uh, organizations, uh, you know, at school, you know, your after hours leadership activities and things. Uh, has that gone to zero or is there some attempt to keep some of that going? Uh, uh, can you give us some insight there? Yeah, that's a really great question. 
Um, in the beginning of this whole thing, kind of in the middle of March, we worked really hard at my executive board for some of these different um, organizations. We worked hard at trying to keep conversations going and keeping connected with each other. But throughout March and kind of towards the end of April with finals, um, a lot of those conversations lessened along with there's less to talk about other than being kind of depressed uh, or what Netflix shows you watched. I mean, there's only like so many things people are doing. There's only so many things you can talk about. It's really unfortunate. I mean, like, I can't, I mean, this, it's so crazy that we didn't have March Madness and there's no basketball and there's no football and there's something I like there was obviously so many things. The world was, you know, and, and it's entertainment. Um, there's just a lot. There's not much to even talk about now in a way um, because of those things are gone. So, we had we did try keeping the connections and the conversations um, heavy, kind of in the beginning, but unfortunately, it's just been it's it's trickled down a lot. Yeah, it's uh, no matter how much we think that uh, uh, high touch isn't important. Uh, I, some of you that know me pretty well, know that I'm not a fan of unsocial media, as I call it, and with all due respect to Faceless Book and Wikipedia and Instabrag, uh, I'm saying those on purpose, <laughs> and yes, I use them, I use them all, uh, but there is a difference, and, and uh, we're going to be chatting about the social aspects of these things uh, when, you know, also in just a few minutes, and we're all, we're all facing that. You know, as an adult, uh, uh, we've had some uh, adult uh Zoom beverage uh, happy hours, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, with my guests, uh, uh, Jenny Gutman, uh, uh, you heard from uh, Ethan Shimonis. And when we come back from our break, we'll hear from Zoe Shimonis. Uh, and you're listening to the 2020s Enterprise. Sam Holzman here. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Based on over 30 years of real world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal-aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, Visit BACOE.org. No travel? No problem. The Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence and Business Architecture Center of Excellence are experts in offering distance learning enterprise architecture and business architecture certification workshops throughout the year. Your experience mirrors our face-to-face workshops and are not just remote broadcasts. You will collaborate in teams across the world, just as though you were across the table. For dates and registration, Visit EACOE.org and BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. 
Enterprise Architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Virtual Business Architecture Services from the Business Architecture Center of Excellence will provide you with the expertise of our consulting services remotely so you can achieve your goals quickly, efficiently, and economically. Using our business architecture methodology, complemented by our full BACOE practitioner support, we will help you achieve the same great results without any travel at a reduced cost. Please visit BACOE.org backslash virtual hyphen BA for more information. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back to The 2020s Enterprise. Uh, I'm Sam Holzman, and the topic of uh, today's broadcast is Distance learning and the new normal. And uh, we have three uh, guests with us uh, on this episode. Uh, you heard uh, in our first segment from uh, uh, Jenny Gutman and also Mr. Shimonis. We're going to talk to Ms. Shimonis in a moment. And Ethan gave us some insight into uh, his university's roles and also his leadership activities. And uh, if you have been listening, which we hope obviously you have, you notice that all three of these people are at different universities and they're getting some different uh, feedback and understandings as, as to, to what is going on. I do want to ask Ethan one more question uh, before I go on to Zoe, and that's uh, Jennifer was mentioning, Jenny was mentioning the, the grading difference, the uh, grade difference. Uh, did your school change the grading policy too or what are they doing as far as grades go? Yeah, so I think there is an option now to have your classes be credit, no credit. Um, unfortunately, though, for my specific degree, the Stephen College of Business doesn't even allow those. Thankfully, I didn't do poorly in any of my classes where I feel the need to have it be credit, no credit, but I know they have given students <laughs> the option to, to do that. All right. All right. Uh, as, as someone that uh, does have a bit of gray hair and, and a little older than both of you, as you know, uh, some of these things here really, to me, do make a difference. And, and uh, uh, I'm not saying that there's one format that's different than the other, but you mentioned very clearly the concept of motivation. And uh, uh, I uh, either was fortunate or silly enough to have three different college degrees and uh, uh, having a grade at was very important because it was a motivator to me, at least, uh, during all those degree programs. So thank you again. Okay, Zoe, uh, you're up, yeah. and uh, tell us uh, a little bit about what, what happened to you. Well, not you personally, yes, but uh, at uh, Michigan State University when all of this uh, uh, started up. Can you give us a little insight there, please? Yeah, so as Ethan said earlier, um Grand Valley, Michigan State had their spring break the first week of March, and before then, no one had any really had really talked about the whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen, uh, even coming to the United States or what would happen if it came. We just kind of hoped nothing negative 
uh, would impact us. Um, but as we came back from spring break, there was obviously some talk that there were some, like, a few cases here and there in Michigan. And then um, the big talk at Michigan State was that we heard that U of M shut down. And then we actually started to get worried because kind of in the same boat as them, we were like, okay, now we're probably going to get shut down. And uh, so a few days later, it said, like, March 11th, um, I woke up that morning to an email that for the rest of the week, they were not going to have any classes, and they recommended us to go home if it was possible, um, and they would start the next week with online uh, classes, and they started talking to us about Zoom and how all that process was going to work um, when we headed home or for some people stayed up at school. Um, Michigan State uh, was very nice, and they gave us some, like they gave us a refund uh, with our housing and our dining plan if we moved out by a certain date, just to give us some kind of like motivation to get back home and get out of campus and that kind of environment. Um, so that was very nice of them to do that. And uh, Michigan State was very similar with Grand Valley and doing a um, credit or no credit option for classes, which again, made the whole motivation kind of disappeared because I was like, well, I can just go into my line notes and make things a lot easier for me so I can keep my grade where it's at or lucky my grades have impacted uh, very positively with <laughs> coming home and being online and uh, I'm in the same boat as as well for my classes. So can't really have the no credit options, so um, my classes haven't, they've been impacted positively about being home, having things online and everything, so that's been very, very nice, but besides that, I would say that um, all my teachers made it really, really easy, not easy, but made the transition online a lot easier, and so I only really had, like, a teacher or two with online lectures on Zoom, and then a lot of them, they understood the situation that we've been in at home and with differences in time zones and everything like that. So they just had, like, pre-recorded lectures, which were super easy and nice to watch on your own time so I don't have to wake up at 8.30 in the morning like I would normally do to get online to watch a lecture. So that's been super nice. Very good. So the, the, the experience was similar uh, obviously, to what uh, what uh, Ethan was saying, was seeing that was there, yeah. and uh, it was interesting that you said that uh, uh, the university uh, really volunteered to uh, uh, to uh, provide some refunds for 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 some of the things um, that that was there. Just as a curiosity, and I'm also going to uh, ask uh, Ethan this question in just a moment. Uh, what about the uh, to be blunt, the tuition, uh, was there any talk about uh, a, an adjustment in the tuition because the learning environment uh, was possibly different, or was that not on the radar screen, so to speak? That was not on the radar of anything, at least from what I've heard. Um, the refund that they gave us was just more towards <coughs> dining and our housing, Um but nothing coming back towards our tuition. Okay. All right. Uh, that brings me to Ethan. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned in, in, the, in the first segment was uh, 
the other environments that you were thinking about uh, that would provide you with, I'll suggest, a similar type of education uh, uh, environment and learning experience uh, that could be much less expensive, you know, that, you know, that was there. Uh, is, is that what you're seeing right now? In other words, putting it a little bit differently, the online experience, uh, in your opinion, uh, isn't as robust as the classroom experience? Is, is that what you're suggesting in, in your learning environment? Yeah, I definitely do suggest that. Um, I mean, the idea of taking finals, open note, and having a computer next to you, like that just seems bizarre uh, to have the ability to do that. I feel like if I'm spending all this money. I, I hope I'm getting the education so that I, I'm actually uh, knowledgeable of whatever the subject I have to have or know about at the end of the semester and throughout the semester. So. I definitely think that this online environment is not something that um, has allowed me to, to grow intellectually along with um, just work hard. I, 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 I like being able to be in the classroom, kind of how you said earlier, talking about the grades. I like being able to work for that and have the motivation for that. Um, but unfortunately, when you take me out of the classroom and I can't talk to my professor and I can't even listen to my professor um, sometimes like, you know, PowerPoints are just these little assignments you have to do here and there, but I uh, definitely, and there's no, and there's no idea, there's no concept of tuition money back at Grand Valley as well. Um, I do hope to see something change in the fall. If they do have to do something that is online remote learning, I hope they would not uh, charge students the same amount they'd be charging if, you know, we were in classrooms on campus and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jenny, you're in a little different situation than uh, Ethan and Zoe. You're in the graduate program. Uh, can you give us your feeling as to the difference between the classroom environment versus the uh, uh, the online environment? Of course. It's very interesting hearing the difference. My program in particular, um, and I think a couple of the other schools at Cornell, we actually have to have our classes at the time that they were at because so much of the degree is focused on participation. So we are live interacting with our professors. We're not allowed to have pre-recorded lectures. Uh, a couple professors actually wanted to do that and they were told that they're not allowed to. So we're constantly interacting with our professors and doing group projects and things like that and presenting in front of class if we have that kind of project. So it's obviously not ideal, but I think it is a bit more um, of a better learning environment than maybe Ethan and Zoe were talking about. However, these classes are recorded. So for students in different time zones or if students just don't feel like going, they won't and they don't have to. But for the most part, attendance has still been the same. I do agree with them that if this happens in the fall as well, it's not ideal, and I would prefer not to, and they should decrease our tuition because there's no talks of it either. But um, overall, it hasn't been as bad because we have that interaction, and we're still learning by having different clubs. I'm um, on the board for one club, and we're doing different things to interact with professors. And even today we had a full day of speaking with executives at companies and dealing 
hearing about how they're doing things from talent management process to COVID-19 and preparing for the future. So it's been quite a different experience, it sounds like. Um, I have some names that uh, uh, I'm going to use for these different experiences. Uh, Jenny, what I see you experiencing is what I refer to as distance learning. Um, For Ethan, uh, I call it self-paced learning. And in our company, we have three formats of learning. We have the classroom, distance learning, and self-paced. And they are very, very different. It's interesting that the universities. Uh, are looking at this thing, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, differently, you know, that, you know, that's out there. And uh, the environment that we use for the self-paced learning is that same environment you're talking about using Blackboard. Uh, that's the environment that, you know, our, our courses are set up also. And it is, to us, uh, a very different learning experience that's there. Uh, it's not the self-motivation as much as, you know, others. Now, it's funny uh, to, to Ethan, this is again going to you and I'm going to ask Zoe the same question. Uh, in the environment that, that we set up, even in the, as I call it, the self-paced, uh, we have office hours. In other words, we set up for you know Tuesday from one to three or something like that uh, for our attendees uh, to interact with us if they like. Uh, is, is yours, uh, Ethan, and then I'll ask Zoe the same question, uh, relatively passive or is there some uh, ability to interact with either other students or even more importantly uh, the professor that's there yeah so similar to what you had just mentioned we, we use blackboard collaborate um, often definitely for the professor's office hours now i thankfully i was able to uh, use that time wisely and have that ability to talk to my professors, um, which did help me with a few different projects and stuff. Um, however, the idea of communicating with students, other students in the classroom was very, very minimal. I think only for one of my classes, I Blackboard did give me the ability to communicate with some of my other students who were part of a group project. But outside of that, um, I, I had no idea how other students are doing, if they were even talking to the professors. I actually asked many of my professors when I, if I did go to their uh, optional office hours and they maybe only had, you know, five to 15 students um, call them, like talk to them, uh, uh, you know, time span of a week. Um, some of these professors have 120 to, you know, 200 students they, they have. So you can really notice the fact that a lot of the students at Grand Valley weren't all about these uh virtual office hours and having to even, if you if they're not forced to do it, many students are going to choose not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I get it. <laughs> I was, I was even a student once. <laughs> so there are a lot of distractions that out there. Zoe, uh, what's, what's your experience? Uh, do you have a, at Michigan state the office hours or what is the interactions between other students uh, and your professors? Yeah, so interaction with students, with my experience, has drastically dropped. Um, I only really have one Zoom lecture, and he only does it once a week instead of the twice a week that he did on that school. Um, and even then, we're not collaborating with students, not talking with students. Um, it's just him presenting his slides and basically talking to his computer screen. And... Um, all my other classes, we've just—it's just been communication by email, 
from um, all my professors and it's like, this is the weekly update. Um, this is due this day and this day and this day. These are upcoming assignments. And that's as much communication I get with my professors and basically none without any students, any of my other classes. So um, from hearing from my friends um, in more like of the hard science classes where the concepts are a lot more challenging and they still have open office hours where they can go in and ask questions to professor and it's more communicative than talking through email and um, understanding the topic um, in a greater sense. But for me, my, yeah, all my communication has basically dropped um, with uh, professors and students. So. Okay. Hmm. All I can say is, hmm, that's a, uh, a, a bit of a disturbing, <laughs> you know, a situation, uh, you know, that's there. I, I, I'm hoping it's not a difference between the graduate program and the, the undergraduate program uh, uh, as far as these, these types of approaches and, and could be just a, you know, a, the, the environment in the, in the, in the university. Uh, we're coming up to a, a break in just a, a few minutes, and when we come back from the break, um, I want to talk about a little bit about the social aspects of being on campus, uh, and uh, I know that's got to be a little different now, to say the least, but uh, I would like to you know, have our audience you know, hear about what you're doing now, especially with all this quarantining going on and things like that. Uh, yes, obviously you're quote going to class, but you know part of that is uh, after class, before class, all the socialization that's going on and and uh, what you're doing in that area. And then after that, I want to discuss essentially what's going to happen in the summertime. And uh, specifically to Jenny, uh, I know you're in the middle of uh, of also this internship uh, areas and what's happening there and and how you see that effect uh, as you're moving forward. So we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman, and we'll be back here in just a few minutes talking about distance learning. Is this the new normal? See you back here in a few minutes. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, Visit EACOE.org. No travel? No problem. The Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence and Business Architecture Center of Excellence are experts in offering distance learning enterprise architecture and business architecture certification workshops throughout the year. Your experience mirrors our face-to-face workshops and are not just remote broadcasts. You will collaborate in teams across the world just as though you were across the table. For dates and registration, visit EACOE.org and BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a Methodology of Business Understanding, Technology Planning, and Change, by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman, brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. 
This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Virtual Business Architecture Services from the Business Architecture Center of Excellence will provide you with the expertise of our consulting services remotely so you can achieve your goals quickly, efficiently, and economically. Using our business architecture methodology, complemented by our full BACOE practitioner support, we will help you achieve the same great results without any travel at a reduced cost. Please visit BACOE.org backslash virtual hyphen BA for more information. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holtzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back to The 2020s Enterprise. This is Sam Holtzman, and this episode is titled Distance Learning, the New Normal. And uh, we have three guests with us uh, on the show today. Uh, Jenny Gutman, who is a graduate student uh, at uh, Cornell University. And uh, we're going to ask her some questions about her internship uh, world that's coming up here in the summertime. Uh, We also have uh, Ethan Shimonis, who is a student at the Grand Valley State uh, working on uh, uh, a number of different uh, areas. One of them is information systems. And uh, my sympathies to you, uh, Ethan, I'm in that field, as you know, and it's chaotic. <laughs> we need some good folks there. So let's make sure we get through that degree program. And uh, Zoe, uh, thank you for also uh, attending here. And She's at Michigan State University uh, and also is getting some different experiences uh, of course, as to what's going on. So, Jenny, I'd like to start off our last segment here with, uh, in your program, of course, part of it is, uh, uh, which is fantastic, is going out into industry and, and uh, interacting and working with uh, uh, different organizations. And uh, I know in our conversations that there's been a, a few changes in corporate America be, because of that. And can you give us a little insight into that and and uh, what these organizations are trying to do, I mean, I'm not picking on any of these enterprises at all, but uh, <laughs> things are different and things are weird. So what's happening to you in this uh, uh, internship program that you're going into? Yeah, so unfortunately, and I've talked to a lot of my colleagues in my program, who a lot of us are in the same So I would say a majority, if not, I wouldn't say all yet, but these uh, internships for the summer will be virtual. Um, my company, I'm working for PepsiCo, and they have been phenomenal. We, My internship was supposed to be 12 weeks in New York City, but now, unfortunately, it is six weeks and completely virtual. But um, just to highlight them, because they are doing such a great job, they're trying to get us to New York uh, at the very end of the summer if possible for a week. They're still trying to have us interact with 
CEOs, the CHRO, if possible. So I just want to highlight how great of a job they're doing, but I have had colleagues where their staffs have been rescinded and, like I said, a lot of virtual. So you don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Have you started it or is it coming up? No, I we're still in class. We haven't started. My start date was supposed to be May 18th, but it got pushed back to the end of June. Okay. All right. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see what's going on. But uh, uh, kudos to PepsiCo to, to keep something going, trying to do this. I, mm-hmm. I know that I'm sure that they're as disappointed as, as you are. Uh, you know, it, it, they really are. And, and uh, because they're looking, you know, at, uh, at futures also and, uh, uh, you know, as a as a ground to uh, look at you as a you know potential uh, you know staff member you know coming up and and from our standpoint, there's nothing like uh, you know really learning. So uh, uh, I'm I'm thrilled to hear that PepsiCo is stepping up to the plate as much as they can, uh, and it's it is disappointing to hear that uh, you know there's uh, uh, some rescinding of of things going on there you know with commitments uh, uh, you know being made you know that's out there. Uh, uh, Zoe, to you for, for a question here about the social aspects, if I could, for just a moment. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I know it's different. <laughs> uh, Very. <laughs> can you give us a little insight? Nothing personal. Remember, mom and dad are possibly listening, too. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what, what at, at your age, what is going on in this crazy world we're in right now? And, and uh, can you give us insight into... Uh, what's happening in the in the in the college universe when it comes to this? Yeah, so uh, being back home, I would definitely say that uh, FaceTime has become my best friend. <laughs> being able to still communicate um, with some people from all the way up to Traverse City or out in Colorado or Texas, being able to do that is still super fun, and still being able to talk to them and see how they're doing with school, and still feel like they're still communicating in a sense without um, being in the same dorm or the same building or the same class. So, um, but I would definitely say that I seen still people my age breaking this whole social distancing thing and still living their college life uh, either on campus and or back home. Um, But I've been trying to stay safe and, hopefully not get anything by <laughs> spending the most time with my parents back home. <laughs> well, they're, they're just a few years older than you. So it's wonderful. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's out there. Uh, so you're, you're, are you maintaining uh, just curious, curious, 20%, 80%, 100%, 5% of the interactions and or contacts that you had, uh, you know, on campus. Uh, is it, and, and the other question that parallels that, uh, is it planned, forced, or spontaneous, if that makes any sense? Um, it's out there. Yeah, I would definitely say that um, a lot of my social stuff, probably like 35, 40% of what it was. Um, and I would say that it's either 50 50 as spontaneous and planned. Um, I have a really good friend of mine who literally lives like a few miles down the road, and I just Caller and I start talking to her. Uh, that's for the spontaneous part of it. But if I want to talk to my friends in Colorado or Texas or Seattle, it takes a lot more planning um, 
just with time zones and figuring out how we can communicate best when it's not seven in the evening out here and our 12 there and all the time zone conflicts. So those usually take a little bit more planning. But. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's about all I can, uh, <laughs> all I can say is, is, uh, is wow. Uh, and the reason, the reason, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing this episode is, is that, uh, for some of you that do follow the show, uh, you know, quite a bit, uh, we tend to deal with uh, Fortune 1000 corporate American companies, uh, business executives, business managers, and topics like that. Uh, the area of education has always been a tremendous uh, of interest to me, and uh, we've had the privilege of working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on some things also. Uh, and the reason this episode is coming to you is because we are talking to real people, not consultants, not mom and dad, not social workers, not uh, uh, administrators at universities. We're talking to people that are affected uh, by this uh, in a day in and day out basis uh, that's out there. So I hope you're appreciating some of the candor that you're hearing and also a bit of the struggle uh, that is going on. I think one of the themes that I am hearing uh, that it's loud and clear is there is a real massive desire uh, to, by the September, October timeframe, whenever that new set of uh, semesters start, uh, that some degree of campus life comes back. And uh, I think we all understand that, uh, you know, from, uh, uh, from, the social aspects of, of things that are out there. In other words, that is, I call it the high touch environment uh, that we all, you know, that's the way we've, you know, we, we've grown up and, uh, you know, that's what's out there. Uh, but in our last segment here, I, I do want to just ask all three of you uh, a slightly um, uncomfortable question. And that's that what if question. Uh, what if, let's say it's August you find out that there will not be a fall on campus uh, classroom environment. Uh, Jenny, I want to start with you. Uh, any thoughts about what that is, or is it something that you don't want to think about right now? And I understand why. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be my favorite. <laughs> um, that would be half my degree. And to be honest, it, would make me really rethink all of my decisions because I came to school to learn and that this was going to be my last time unless I go get my MBA, which would hopefully be sponsored by an employer. But this was, it would be half my degree. So it would, try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I, I, you know, I, I understand. Uh, but what, what you're telling us is, is, is very important, I think. And, and, uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is that, as I said, I hope our audience is really paying attention to this episode. Uh, there is a belief on the university's part that all of you are going to come back um, and uh, everything is fine and you're still going to write checks or your parents going to write checks or you're going to take loans out and things like that. But uh, what at least we're hearing from Jenny, and I'm going to go to Ethan in one moment and with Zoe, is that you're rethinking these things. And and for good reason, by the way, there's, there's really good reason, you know, to rethink all of this. Uh, you know, brick and mortar campuses are very different than uh, Zoom, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and all that other learning environments. I'm not talking about the social environments. I'm talking about the learning environments that's there. 
Uh, Ethan, you mentioned some of this already, but uh, can you sort of give us a, a little bit more understanding as to what you think uh, if it turns out toward the end of the year uh, that there's, it's going to be very difficult to have a, a presence on campus. Your thoughts, please. Right. So during this time of quarantine, I would say I've been uh, thinking a lot about my future and what uh, the future of society holds. Um, and one of that is being, and I mean, I don't necessarily, obviously no one really knows answers to what's going to be happening, uh, but I do not think it's something that's going to be over with in just a couple months. I think this is something that might last a year. I don't I mean like they're, we're going to be feeling the effects of, uh, of COVID-19 um, for a while. And it's not just in, in August, we can't just snap our fingers and tell it, you know, to go away. Um, so it's by August, in September and October roll around um, and, and classes do end up going virtual. I, I do think I will possibly think about, um, you know, putting my education on hold until I can go back into an environment that I, I want to learn in um, along with, you know, if, I'm, if I want, I want to get this business degree and, you know, learn at the Stevens college of business. And I just do not think that, um, but Zoom and Blackboard, that is not even the college of business. I, I, I should be able to, if I'm paying what I'm paying for, I, I want to be paying for the ability to go into a classroom um, four days a week, be able to take 15 credits um, and do things like that. I mean, when it comes to student organizations as well, you know, being a leader for a couple of these student organizations, there will be no student organizations if we are not on a campus. Um, I, I, and people had this conversation recently and I, I don't understand um, it, where people are like I'm, some people obviously are trying to stay positive for it but like if, if there really are no if there's no student life on campus and there's no reason for these organizations even trying to be doing anything I and mean, like how do you get I mean there's no way you know I, I, Hillel is one of the Jewish organizations I'm a part of and what are we going to do Friday night Zoom Shabbat calls like that's something that I, I, I seriously do not be happening if we are not on campus and, and if we're not on campus uh then there's clearly there's clearly a bigger issue that none of us are going to be able to solve and we're just going to roll the punches so that's something i've been thinking about a lot recently thank you thank you ethan and uh, zoe uh there's always a negative side as i said what what, what are your thoughts about uh the, the possibility of uh, they're not being campus life uh, uh, this this fall semester. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, so when I first found out uh, that our school is going on virtual, I was honestly pretty devastated because I wasn't able to have the full freshman college experience being cut short um, almost the entire semester. Um, so if I would... I love Michigan State and I love the campus and I love the campus life and everything up there. And I, I would love to be back up there as soon as possible uh, in August. And if we don't get to do that, I would be kind of devastated. I love it up there and having my education up there and in person is 10 times, 100 times greater than what it is online. And I'm, paying to get a Michigan State degree and I I want to be there. I want to be there in person learning from all these great professors and um, 
trying to have the best education I can. So overall, well, I'm not happy. Will not be happy if I don't get back in August. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a constant theme uh, uh, here. Unfortunately, that uh, uh, we're hearing we're hearing also, as I mentioned in our own company, we we have these you know three formats that are there and uh, uh, people. People are people. Uh, that's there, and uh, we just got a couple of minutes uh, left here. And and uh, uh, from from the bottom of my heart, as as uh, an adult that uh, feels responsible for a lot of this, and when I say a lot of this, uh, it it may not be personally, but it's our generation, my generation, that has failed you, folks. Uh, we are in a reactive mode here, uh, which is. Uh, uh, unconscionable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there will be disasters. There were disasters. There's going to be tornadoes. There's going to be hurricanes. There's going to be, unfortunately, possibly more terrorist attacks. There's going to be internet outages. Uh, we cannot continue to be in this crisis management mode. Uh, leadership is what we need. Uh, and not that we could have anticipated this type of virus, but we could anticipate a situation uh, where there would be a situation where there would be a drastic change um, that we would have to look at. And we are just unprepared, whether it's our politicians or whether it's our leaders in, uh, uh, in, in industries and things like that. As I said, it's reactive management. And from the bottom of my heart and from my uh, age group of people, uh, I hope that you'll forgive us and uh, have us all work through this uh, because this isn't going to be the last time, and we have to make sure that all three of you, Jenny, Ethan, and Zoe, are affected as least as possible uh, in this area. And uh, we hope that uh, we'll be able to do that and we'll do better uh, all the time. So I'd like to, again, thank my three guests uh, and uh, uh, Jenny Gutman, uh, Ethan Shimonis, and, and Zoe Shimonis for spending the time with me. Thank you very much. This has been fascinating, and uh, I wish all of you the best. And for our audience here, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. And talk to these three people. You may pick up somebody to work in your organization pretty soon. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in this week to the 2020s Enterprise. Be sure to join your host, Sam Holzman, again for another edition of our program next Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more topics of discussion then. 